This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Sustained fury. That's the way Americans from all sides of the political divide are responding to President Donald Trump's news conference with Vladimir Putin in Helsinki, Finland, yesterday. He sided with Vladimir Putin over his own intelligence agencies, which are investigating Russian interference in the 2016 election. The anger is coming from even his staunchest supporters like Fox News. But that didn't stop him from doubling down in a tweet today, as you heard in Chris's news, and uh, getting on the case of what he calls the fake news, ignoring everyone's criticism. However, the consensus is no one has ever seen anything like his embrace of the Russian strongman. We have the front page of the New York Post coming out and calling him a traitor, and a former CIA director accusing him of, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors. Uh, reports this morning, and that's before the, the tweets say he is actually surprised at this reaction. There's a lot to unpack here. I'm going to give out the numbers again, and I want to hear from people. You know, we have a lot of people calling who say they support Donald Trump. So I'm curious, does this give you any pause? Do you change your mind? Are you are you still on side and blaming the fake news? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now we start with Phil Gursky, who is the president and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consultants and a former strategic analyst with CSIS. Hi, Phil. Hi, Libby. How are you today? Fine. Uh, are you surprised? Um, I wish I could say I, I was. Unfortunately, I think in the lead up to the summit, it was quite clear what the president was going to come up with anyway. So I think the bottom line is, no, I'm not surprised. Um, what I am a little bit surprised at uh, are, first of all, some of the reactions by his, his erstwhile allies. You mentioned Fox News, for one. But I'm also surprised as to the extent to which he basically um, buried his own intelligence agencies and called them liars. That, that to me, is, that almost goes, I mean, it's hard to say that Donald Trump is beyond the pale, because every day is, is something more outrageous. But I think, for me, as a former intelligence analyst, this is what strikes me as a very egregious comment on his part. Okay, uh, so uh, what happens next, and what's the situation where he's basically, it seems like, declared war on his intelligence agencies? I mean, we know he is very against the Mueller inquiry, obviously afraid that something will come out that will, I guess, delegitimize him. Well, it's a good question, Libby. I think there's a couple things here. You know, whether or not the Mueller inquiry actually comes out with something definitive. And by definitive, I mean that even not the most ardent Trump supporter can ignore it, that, you know, there was some kind of collusion between the president and the Russians. That, that's one issue. But the intelligence agencies aren't really saying that just yet. What they're saying 
is that Russian agents, Russian intelligence officers, deliberately played a role in trying to sway the 2016 presidential election. And they've indicted 12 intelligence uh, officers from Russia on those charges already. So, you know, we don't, we don't have to even get into whether or not the president personally knew, directed, benefited from whatever. Intelligence agencies, which are amongst the world's best, by the way, are saying this categorically. And, and as somebody who, who worked alongside the Americans for more than 30 years, I still have some very good friends who work with the various American intelligence agencies, the FBI, the CIA, etc. I can't imagine them going to work this morning. Like, your, your commander-in-chief has called you a bunch of incompetent liars. Like, where do you go from there? And, and you know, in intelligence, the one thing that, that, that's actual, absolutely sacrosanct in intelligence is that you're impartial. Just the facts, ma'am. I used to say in Dragnet back in the 1950s, you know, I just want the facts and what the facts mean. And the president said, you're lying to me. The facts aren't what you say they are. And so I really feel for my American counterparts. And I, I, I don't know where you go from here. What about uh, you have uh, John Brennan, former CIA director, coming out and saying uh, this is high crimes and misdemeanors? Well, um, I certainly won't, you know, speak for Mr. Brennan. Uh, he's not the only one, of course. Um, John McCain has come out very strongly against that, and others have as well. It, it certainly seems to me that what the president has done is he has undermined the hundreds of thousands of Americans, very patriotic Americans, very dedicated Americans, who go to work every day in the intelligence sector to try and, you know, collect the information that America needs to keep itself safe. And, and, and which America needs to have advantage in certain areas over others. And he basically said that, um, you know, this is all wrong. And is it treason? Uh, I mean, I'll leave that for others to comment on. But what it does is it, it basically saps the morale uh, of these men and women. Like I said, they, these people do a really good job, and, and they're very conscientious about what they do. And, and they will go to the nth degree to make sure their sources are corroborated and correct before they, they do their intelligence analysis and they pass on intelligence advice to the administration. And, and, and now he's basically, he, he dismissed them. And, and, and again, it's, it's, it has to be soul-sucking uh, to work well, in American intelligence. Well, point. okay, so, you know, there are two extremes of the people uh, who are, say, against Trump. The one that I consider extreme is that people who say he, he is a traitor and there is something very, very egregious that is being covered up there. And the more benign explanation is that for some reason he thinks that if it's shown that the Russians interfered in some way to help him win, it delegitimizes him, which a lot of people feel is not true. Uh, what do you make of the range of those explanations? I, I certainly understand that range, Libby. It's really hard for me to comment, not knowing what you know the Mueller investigation has uncovered so far. He's gone to extraordinary lengths to defend Putin and to defend Russia over a number of months, which leads one to speculate, and I, I want to underline it, speculation, that there must be something really bad there, something really, uh, as you use the word, egregious, something that really points to his relationship with the, with the Russian president or his relationship with intelligence services. I mean, some are calling him a Russian agent. I wouldn't go that far. But, I mean, the fact that he really goes to the nth degree to do this and has been doing this for, for quite some time now, it, it strikes me, and I'm not a psychologist, it strikes me that it goes beyond Trump's ego and is pointing in a direction where there's something really, really damaging, something damning in the information that would, in fact, basically scuttle 
the entire Trump presidency and how he came to power. That, that's the only conclusion I can draw at this point. Um, the problem is, is that we're going to have to wait for the Mueller inquiry to, to finish, if it's allowed to finish. And then even when it does, people are going to dismiss it as fake news. And the president will be leading that charge. So you have your intelligence agencies providing, here's what we know, just the facts, ma'am. And the president's going to say it's all fake news. Then where do we go from there? Well, how do Americans react to that? There are already Americans this morning saying, you know, what happened in Helsinki yesterday will be we forgot by this time tomorrow. Well, we'll I, on to something else. It's it's hard to imagine that. What what do you think the end game is? Because of course, before he arrived in Helsinki, he called the European Union his foes. Uh, what's the end game, and and uh, what is the result on American influence in the world? Oh, God, Lily, if I had an answer to that question, you couldn't afford me to have you on your show because I'd be a bazillionaire. <laughs> um, it's really hard to say. He certainly has gone out of his way to uh, to, to, to slam and to slander uh, long-standing allies like Canada, like NATO, like the EU, uh, like the World Trade Organization. And he's gone out of his way to embrace people that historically we, we wouldn't have touched with a 10-foot pole, like North Korea, like Russia like some of the death spots in the Middle East, uh, like the president of the Philippines. So, you know, trying to figure out what this all means, it's so arcane and it's so convoluted. It's really hard to put your finger on it. You know, he would claim, well, I'm just, I'm the master of the deal. And, and, you know, you guys don't understand what I'm doing because you're too stupid. But trust me, it's all going to work out in the end. But it's just all, it's just all so bizarre. And, and, and I think you are getting to a point where we're allies that have been, we've been allies since, you know, a long time, since at least the end of the Second World War. I think, you know, I'm not part of those conversations anymore, but I can't, I can't help but think, but in the corridors of power, people are saying, you know, do we trust the Americans anymore? Do, do we want to share information with the Americans anymore? What's going to happen to it? The, um, the, the, we, we can't afford not to have them as part of the club. They're, they're, they're a major part of our intelligence gathering, intelligence analysis. But I gotta think people are scratching their heads. Like, is this a reliable partner? Now, before we get to the phones, and they are full at the moment, the question, of course, is how does this affect his base, and will his base do anything about it, or will they just believe him that it's fake news? What's your take on that? We have establishment Republicans coming out against him. We have Fox News, their hosts coming out against him, which is highly unusual. Uh, do you think this will uh, filter down? It's hard to say. It's really hard to say, Libby. I mean, every time something really, really bad comes out, whether it's his, his sexual crudity or his, his abject lying, there was a report in the Washington Post last week about how many lies he's told since he became president, the base just seems to ignore it. So is it, is it, does this go one step too far? Um, I'd like to think the answer is yes. But given the track record of the base so far, I'm afraid the answer might be no. It's just it's just one more thing, and, and they'll believe his account that it's all fake. Okay, you know, Phil, hang on. Uh, as I said, our phone lines are full, and I asked for people, uh, for Trump supporters, to see if this has changed their minds. And of course, our callers are Canadians, but uh, I I suspect that they don't think that differently from people who support Trump on the other side of the border. And it looks like, uh, no, this hasn't made a difference. So let's start with Tony in Niagara Falls. Hi, Tony. Hello, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good, good. Well, I think all's fine with Mr. Trump. You don't see any more rockets uh, going up from the rocket man, do you? Uh, We were pretty close to a nuclear war with Russia. He's cooled that all off. 
I was watching Fox News about 7 o'clock last night, and they said uh, America's worst enemies. And guess whose picture photo popped up? Mr. Trudeau. Uh, well, Fox News has come out against Trump. They yep. called it his performance at this summit disgusting. There were very tough questions. Uh, Chris Wallace was mm-hmm. trying to hand Putin uh, some of the charges. Uh, they were not supportive of how Trump handled himself. Well, I still love him. You still love him. I still love the man. Okay, Bill, thanks for that. Bye. Bye. Okay. John in Brampton. Hi, John. Yeah, hi, Libby. Uh, yeah, I'm still a supporter. Uh, I've been for the last uh, many, many years listening to the liberals, seeing bogeymen everywhere, and my God, they've taken it to a new level. And by the way, I don't think Fox is, is anti-Trump at this point. I think they're probably a little closer to, pre- to presenting a balanced view than CNN. But then CNN is now what, a little less popular than the shopping channel, so... Um, well, did, people on Fox News are usually his biggest cheerleaders, you know, and their anchors are calling it disgusting. Well, and like, uh, I, other I, Republicans. Why would, not, why would it be so strange for them to have an opinion that's different? You know, and it, why do we not see this? Because, again, if it was CNN, there is never a question mark. I don't I don't think in, in, in so far in his term, according to CNN, he has ever on anything that is hateful, despicable, uh, misogynist. <laughs> he is, I think... Their, their networks are very are very partisan. I have to agree with that. I'm just saying, has any of this uh, changed your mind? Absolutely not. I mean, you've got to expect that the liberals are going to throw everything they can. I, you know, I, I've seen it on our own television station, so they, they talk about a mass demonstration... There's 12 people, you know, but it's the camera angle makes it look like there's a whole. Are you saying in London there were 12 people? (laughs) There were were hundreds of thousands of people. But in in some cases, that is exactly what happens. I mean, they're not looking for an agenda that's balanced. They're looking to create the most incredible negatives that you can imagine, and that's what they do. That's what they've always done. That's what they do there. They do in Canada. So why take it seriously? I, I don't care if a few people, you know, a few Republicans think Trump was wrong. I, honestly, I don't. Because I will bet you that a lot of Democrats kind of like what's happening. And, uh, you know, they're not going to make an issue of it. But, you know, here in Canada, here we are telling 100 million or whatever the voter turnout was, um, the people who voted for Trump, we are telling all those Americans, they're idiots. No, I and mean... Sooner or later, they're going to get tired of this. It, it has to have an impact. Okay, John, thanks for that. Uh, Phil, so uh, you've been hearing some of the callers. We have more that we are going to get to. Uh, they all seem to be saying uh, this was no big deal. Uh, does that surprise you? And, I mean, I would imagine that the reaction of his supporters in the States might be much the same. No, unfortunately, Libby, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, it's hard to draw from a representative sample of two. Yeah. Um, but I don't disagree with you. I think if you look historically over the past 18 months, again, whenever something has come out that many people think is, is a wrong position or a wrong statement by the president, uh, they simply just they eat it up. They, they, they don't see anything wrong with it. So it's, like, it's like they're blind and they're deaf to what's happening. And, 
and 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 they they have this position, and and I think one of the callers said it. You know, it's everyone, and it's everyone else's fault. It's the liberals' fault. It's the leftists' fault. It's somebody else's fault. And they're picking on the president. Well, yeah, because that's what they do, absolutely. But it doesn't take away from the fact that what happened in Helsinki was a disaster for the Western Alliance. So, you know, but I, I, unfortunately, I, I have to agree with you. I don't think this is going to make any change. And to me, that that's maybe the biggest disaster. Because it, it, if he can pull off what he did in Helsinki, what does he do to top this? What's the next? What's the next part of this thing? You okay. know, does he does he does he embrace Putin's uh, occupation of Crimea? Does he turn a blind eye to Putin's actions in Eastern Ukraine? Well, Does he turn a blind eye to what's so happening in the Baltic states? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, what, what's the end game here? Well, that's a, I don't have an answer to that. That's that's a good question. And Phil, hang on. We're going to bring in Professor Janice Stein of the Monk School of Global Affairs. Hi, Janice. Hi, Libby. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. And I gather you are shocked by this, but not surprised. That's right. Uh, of course, I'm shocked uh, by a president who would turn on his own institutions and effectively say, I believe President Putin rather than my own intelligence agencies. I'm not one bit surprised because he's been asked this question now four or five times at least. And every time he's given the answer uh, that he gave in Helsinki, and he moves from that answer very quickly to where is Hillary Clinton's server and where are her emails? For him, this seems to be all about attacking the legitimacy of his election victory, and he simply goes there without uh, paying attention in any way to the damage that he is doing to his relationship with what are very key institutions. Uh, what happens next, Janice? I, I don't know if uh, you were listening I before, and uh, I'm looking at my screen, and I do now see there is one person who who's changing their mind, but, but uh, the people here who support Trump continue to support him, and I would expect that that's going to be the case south of the border. What's your take on that, and what's the significance I of that? I think that you're asking the absolutely critical question, Libby, uh, what happens next, and I, I'm going to answer it in two ways. Uh, certainly as far as President Trump is concerned, until opinion uh, in Republican-held constituencies change, it doesn't have to be his base, but it has to be in constituencies where Republicans won in the last election. Until that opinion starts to move, uh, Republican members of the House um, are going to be afraid to take this president on in any meaningful way. Uh, less so in the Senate, where two-thirds do not face re-election, but clearly for any meaningful action, any meaningful constraints to be put on the president, public opinion in Republican-held districts has to move. And that's an open question. We just don't know yet whether this is where this is an inside-the-beltway issue that people care about, but only those people care about it, or it's a larger issue for the public. I think there's a second issue here, which people are not talking about as much, which he has poisoned his relationship now with the intelligence community. And members of that community are both uh, humiliated and demoralized, and they're also very angry. Uh, They 
at least certain numbers of them know everything that Robert Mueller knows and maybe more. And when you do this, when you humiliate and infuriate an intelligence community, um, there are usually very bad consequences down the road. And uh, um, as in uh, they will be determined to find anything that may be there to to be found more than they were before? Absolutely. They will be determined to find anything that's damaging, and they will be, they will find ways to leak it. Phil? Yep. I don't don't disagree with Janice. I think that's certainly a possibility. Um, It's something that when you work in intelligence design, is that you you have to consider very, very carefully because A, it's illegal and people charge for leaking information. But I think that, as Janice said, when you get to the point where the men and women who who, really do a good job and they do their best and they try to do it in a a nonpartisan, impartial way, have basically been been told that they're incompetent and that they're lying. At some point you wondered... How much, or at what point does that kind of attack on you as an individual, as a professional, overtake your solemn vows not to leak information? And, and I, I think I agree with Janice. I can see some individuals saying, you know what, screw it. Um, and they probably, we're not worth it. W- wouldn't they consider themselves whistleblowers in a way? They would. Uh, I think, I think they would. And we, you know, I'm not a big fan of whistleblowers. I'm not a big fan of Everett Snowden and, and Chelsea Manning for, for obvious reasons. But I think in certain, certain circumstances where um, there, there's, there's no alternative. You know, the, yeah, no, you know, the investigation is going to be ignored. The results of the investigation will be ignored by the administration. So what do you do next? I mean, what, what, what other option do you have? And Janice, what were you saying? I, I think um, people, it won't be difficult for some members of these communities to persuade themselves that Trump is, in fact, a threat. Um, that he is leaving the United States open to cyber attack, that he is leaving the United States open to Russian manipulation, and that they are acting in the national interest. Um, I have little doubt. Uh, all the theories and the conspiracies about the deep state will be, in fact, self-confirming as a result of what President Trump has done thus far. Okay, Phil and Janice, hold on. People have been patiently waiting. I'm going to take a few calls. Dorothy in Toronto. Hello, Dorothy. Oh, good afternoon, Libby. And is it Philip? It's Philip and Janice. And Janice, and they're journalists? No, Philip uh, Philip is a, a former CSIS analyst with a security company, and Janice Stein is uh, an expert on global affairs. Yes. Well, you know, I, I really think the journalists, they often make a big hoopla, a big filibuster over everything. And, you know, I really think that Trump is trying to get all the countries together for the bigger picture. You think that's what he was doing in Europe? I do. I really think so. And people can't see beyond the pettiness of getting a big story and making Trump look bad. I think it's ridiculous. I think that someone should be the bigger person here, and they should not be so excited to make a big story. There's much more important things right now in North America and the world, being our children and what's going on with the... Right here in Toronto, no place for anyone to live. And everyone's so anxious, the way they drive their cars and killing all kinds of people on bikes and pedestrians. Okay, and I think that's uh, that's a little outside of uh, what Donald Trump is talking about, but we'll actually be talking to the mayor in a bit. Dorothy, thanks for your call. Let's go to Gordon in Sarnia. Hi, Gordon. Well, first, first of all, 
I would really take issue with what the last lady just said. Oh, yeah, a lot of people I, would. I think, go hello? ahead. You hear me okay? Yep, go ahead. Yep. Sorry. I, I don't think Trump needs the media to make him look silly. I think he, he does a real good job of that himself. I started out, you know, if I had a vote in the U.S. when the election came around, I would have voted Republican. But I think there's a very subtle difference that we don't often think about, and that is, do you support Trump or do you support the Republican agenda? You know, it's the difference between the party versus the person. Yeah. And we run into the same thing, of course, in Canada. I went to a, uh, just very quickly, I went to a seminar in Toronto once, the uh, Harbour Castle put on by the Learning Annex, and Donald Trump was the keynote speaker, and that was in 2007. And I remember coming home and saying to my wife, that guy is nothing but a bully, and he has carried out that persona into the, the world stage now. I would have voted Republican, and I initially supported some of his platforms. Unfortunately, every time he opens his mouth now, he increasingly shows the world that he's a buffoon to the point that I'm literally starting to question his mental competency. He's such an egomaniac. He gets up and says, didn't I do a wonderful job? And I don't think he's trying to unite anything. I think he's I think he's a buffoon, and I literally wonder if he has mental issues. Okay, Gordon. Thanks for that. Okay. Okay, Bye. let's go to uh, Bill in Toronto. Well, Maybe I'm going to have to leave at 12.30. Okay. Uh, you know what, Bill? Uh, I'm going to put you on hold, and uh, we're going to let uh, Janice wrap up her thoughts on this. Janice? But, you know, the only thing I can say is that Trump, uh, in response to Dorothy's comments, Trump blazed a trail through Europe and Quebec in which he attacked the allies of the United States. Uh, the Allied leadership are dismayed beyond belief. They do not know how to deal with him. They are concerned that the Western alliance is at risk. They are concerned that institutions of the United States built and led ever since World War II are at stake. So if he's trying to bring Western leaders together, he's choosing a most curious way to do it. Okay. And what do you think will happen next, Janice, before we let you well, go? Well, we're going to have to wait and see. He's certainly facing a firestorm in Washington, Libya, of, of a kind that he has actually not faced before. And the crew, your last caller, put a crucial distinction on the table. This is now all up to the Republican leadership. If the Republican leadership, for if this is a step too far for them and they cannot tolerate this, then the pressure will really mount and drain him in. Uh, if they think only about the November elections, they will look the other way as they have looked the other way over so many issues over the, in the last 16 months. And then the distinction between Trump and Republican disappears because Trump effectively takes over the Republican Party. Okay, Professor Janice Hine, thanks so much for being with My us. My pleasure, Libby. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, we are still with uh, Phil Gursky, and uh, we have. I'm extending this segment so to give people a chance to have their say. And uh, Phil, do you agree with what Janice said? I do. You know, I mean, we certainly can argue about you know NATO. We can argue about the percentage of GDP that should be devoted to defense and the fact that Canada probably is not paying enough um, in comparison to the other allies. But 
what Trump is doing is he's going beyond these issues that we can negotiate as partners, as allies, and he's calling into question the very alliance, an alliance that has kept Europe safe for 75 years almost. And that, to me, is what's most disturbing, is that we're not talking about money here. We're not talking about troop deployments. We're talking about the very raison d'etre, if you will, of the NATO alliance and of the EU and of, of the FAFTA and of other things like that. And, and for a man that seems to be bent on destroying alliances and creating new alliances with some unsavory partners, I'm really, really worried about that. Okay, Phil, hang on. We'll go back to the phones. We've got Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Yeah, the, the sky truly is falling here. You know, before Trump got elected, I thought he was a pompous a-hole. After he got elected, I still think he is. But you know what? I think he is a very effective manager. Um, I look at what he does. The effects are very good for the United States to date. And as far as him uh, talking down the, uh, the, the FBI and the CIA, the people that investigated him and this Mueller thing that's going on, I think they've revealed more corruption within the FBI and that investigation at the time than they have on Trump. I think they've come up with zero on Trump. You got Debbie we, Wasserman we, Schultz down. We with we the don't DNC. know. We don't know what they've come up with. Well, it, we 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 know what they've come up with on themselves. Look at the buddy that they were they just had on there. The tweets that he sent out. I mean, this is a guy investigating Trump, and you could tell he had hatred for the man. Just a minute. Who who? What tweet are you referring to? Uh, there was, uh, John the Brennan agent, is retired. He's not there anymore. No, but he was the head investigator at the time, uh, investigating Trump. Rod Rosenstein and Mueller are investigating. So no, this was one of the agents themselves. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know who it. you're referring to, Bill. But um, okay, so so bottom line, this yeah, this doesn't ha- the, the way that investigation was conducted and the, the the corruptness of it at the time with those agents. I think what Trump said is true. I think and Trump has said it. I've heard him say it on many occasions that he respects the rank-and-file FBI members and the, the, the great job they do. So, yeah, I agree with his statement yesterday. But, honestly, the overreaction from the media, yesterday I tuned in at the end of your show and you had the two guests on, and I thought, you know, I, I missed the beginning of it, but I thought, my God, what did Trump do now? Okay, well, uh, 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 that's uh, interesting, but uh, a lot of people don't think it's an overreaction. Bill, thanks for your call. Thank you. And uh, let's go to Joan in Oshawa. Hello, Joan. Hello, Libby. Oh, boy, what a pickle. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the man is, uh, is very dangerous. Um, he flip-flops from one thing to another, and he's trying to destroy the alliance uh, between the um, Europeans and uh, Canada and uh, Britain. And uh, he seems to be, uh, he seems to be very devious. You know what I mean? He's, I don't know why he sides with Russia. That is, to me, that's abominable after what Russia has done over the years. I mean, it doesn't make sense. But he is not, how would you call it? He is not in either full control of his faculties or else he's, uh, how would you call it? He's reaching uh, where he wants to be a pseudo dictator. 
Well, he he uh, he would love to have more power. Uh, Joan, thanks very much for that. You're very very welcome, Libby. Thank you. Okay, so Phil, uh, if we we t- this is very unscientific, but it's kind of uh, what do we have four or five to one? It takes a lot to change the mind of a Trump supporter. Well, it, it does, and, and we could you know you could probably have a psychologist on the show, Libby, to talk about why that that happens, but. I think it, it goes to, it undermines, or underlines rather, the, the polarization that's happening south of the border, and that we're seeing increasingly happening in Canada, where, you know, there's no middle ground anymore. You're either right or you're wrong. You're left or you're right. You're on top or you're on the bottom. And and that, that middle ground where we gather to discuss ideas and have disagreements and some kind of compromise is disappearing. And, and I think Trump is feeding this, this polarization. I don't think it's a good thing. Like I said, we, 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 can, we can have these debates about the alliance. We can have the debates about trade. These are, these are good things to have. I suppose on the, on, on the one hand, the fact that he met with Putin, as the great British Prime Minister Winston Churchill once said, the jaw jaw is better than war war. And I, and I support that. But what, what, what Trump basically caved in on yesterday goes well beyond jaw jaw. It basically gets kowtowing to, to what Russia has done and has continued to do. And, and I, I don't think in terms of, you know, Canada, and, and the larger Western alliance, these are good things that happened in Helsinki yesterday. Well, there there are a couple of things there. So first of all, on top of this, he said, I have great news. The Russians are going to help us investigate this. I mean, in, inviting the wolf into the hell house, it's, it was quite astonishing from my point well, of view. Well, it's probably unprecedented, too, right? I mean, why? I mean, what what normal person would accept that? It's just, it, 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 it's so bizarre. It, it's even too bizarre for him, Libby. And, and I kept, I'm thinking, well, again, my, my, my good friends at the FBI, your, your commander-in-chief, your president has just said, it's okay, guys, I'm going to have the, the people you're investigating help you in the investigation. Really? That's what you're going to do? This is your solution to the problem? It's, yeah, you know what, I, I don't know where to go with that. It's, so, it's almost like I'm in a parallel universe at this point. Yep. Okay, let's hear from uh, Will in Hamilton. Hi, Will. Hi, can you hear me okay? I can, yes. Um... I think that uh, Trump is trying to overcome a huge bureaucratic, corrupt, uh, uh, embedded uh, bureaucracy that uh, exists in the uh, CIA and FBI by uh, uh, standing against them and showing that uh, statesmanship and uh, communication with Russia, which is not a threat, I don't see. I don't think they lost uh, the election for Hillary Trump, uh, or I mean Hillary uh, uh, Clinton, uh, that, that's all nonsense. And how can uh, it be a bad thing that uh, the United States and Russia talk to each other? Okay, thanks for your call. All right. Uh, so again, Phil, where do we go from here? What, um, what are you going to be looking for in the next few days? Well, I think what I'd like to see happen is for a, a swift conclusion to the Mueller inquiry. Um, if there is something there, if there's any there there, I want to see it come out. I want to see it to be definitive. I want the information to be incontrovertible. I want it to be, you can't accuse us of being fake news or being, you know, an agenda. And I, and I take issue with the previous caller talking about, you know, the corrupt bureaucracy. There's bureaucracy everywhere, Libby, but... I can only speak for Canadian intelligence. I didn't work for American intelligence, but the men and women with whom I worked, I'm very proud to say I worked alongside them. And they did, they did their best possible job under, under the circumstances they were working in. 
But I think I'd like to see, you know, let, let, let's, let's get to the bottom of this now. This has been going on for months and months and months and months. Is there any beef there? And if there is, let's have it out so it's obvious, and then we can then we then we see where the parties lie. If it, if something if something so damning comes out, who then can challenge that? Who can say it, it, that's wrong? It's fake. I, the president will, but you know how many reporters or, or rather supporters um, of him, like we call the so-called Republican base, if something is so damning, can they actually go to that part where they say, "I don't believe that"? Uh, maybe they can. Maybe they can. But. Um, I'd like to see uh, a little more concrete information come out so we can make that kind of call. Okay. Uh, let's have a uh, Victor in Etobicoke. Hi, Victor. Hey, how you doing, Libby? Fine. Uh, how are you? Uh, good, good. Listen, let me tell you something, okay? I think I'm, Trump knows what he's doing. Let me tell you why, okay? If he calls this man a liar to his face, what do you think will happen? He's, we're going to cause a war. He knows what he's doing. Intelligence knows what he did. I believe the intelligence are, are setting Putin up. Trump is setting him up. Now, if you call a man like Putin a liar to his face, you're in trouble. So I think the people should relax, let it go for a little while, see what happens with, within a week or two, and then you start talking bad about the guy. Because I'll tell you something. This is going to turn around, okay, and everyone's going to kiss kiss his rear end next time because I don't think I don't I think Trump knows what he's doing, okay. He's not oh. that stupid, guys. Okay, let's hear uh, very quickly from Peter in Mississauga. Hi, Peter. Hi. Uh, I I really think that Trump is uh, completely for big business, but. I don't think that he so much supports supports America. I think he's he's trying to build up his own business, uh, and that's that that's bad for the uh, not just for the Americans but uh, for the Canadians, for Mexicans. Uh, all he wants to do is is promote his own name. It seems like with the hotels, uh, and they got rid of his name off the off the. Hotel in Toronto. Okay, Peter, thanks for that. We're uh, out of time on this. You're against Trump. Thanks for your call. And uh, Phil, uh, to wrap things up, uh, what would you leave us with? Well, there's a lot there, Libby. Absolutely. I I think a couple things. First of all, some of the callers were quite quite definitively in favor of him. As we've been saying, it doesn't seem no matter what he does, they're going to support him. Um, I, I just think that You'd like to think that there has to be a critical mass, like the straw that breaks the camel's back, at which point nobody can support what he's doing. I don't know what that point is, but even then, I think, unfortunately, there will be people that will go to the wall with them, and and I guess that's just the way that they are. I I don't see any other way out of this, unfortunately. Okay. Phil Gursky, thank you so much for being with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. 
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.